Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated and then try to sneak in huge fees at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Now, I mentioned a few times that in May, I'm going up to Detroit to check out my Tigers in Comerica Park, and I can guarantee you that my sister and I will be using SeatGeek to get some prime seats for those games. SeatGeek is the only place I ever go to look for tickets anymore, whether I'm going to a game or a concert. I got the app on my phone, and I've been using it just kind of scout some things out, get, get a good feel for it before I purchase my tickets for May. And honestly, what SeatGeek has done is they've taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls all available tickets on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games, and SeatGeek will let you know if the price falls. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you with huge fees at checkout. Now, our listeners will get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate, though, all you got to do is go download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter promo code SLEEPER, S-L-E-E-P-E-R. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app today and enter promo code SLEEPER. Episode 339 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, May 2nd. I am your host, Paul Spore, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, how's it going? It's going well. It was we a good just, weekend. We just closed the first month of the season. We closed the book on it. Uh, I guess not officially. It has, I don't know if it's been 30 days because uh, opening day was a little bit into April, but April's done. We're into May. It kind of flew by, to be honest. It feels like opening day kind of just happened. But it uh, feels good to kind of close the book on, on the first month. We're really in it. We're in the season. Um, lots to discuss today. We're actually going to talk a little bit about uh, Jeff Zimmerman's Hurt rating, Rankings, the first uh, iteration of that. For those that don't know what that is, that's an acronym. That's Hitters Underperformance from Recent Trauma. So it kind of looks at some factors uh, that could be leading to injury or, or could be the cause of injury that might be leading to some underperformance. So we're going to talk about four big guys atop that list. Uh, we're also going to do some closer updates. Uh, Y'all seem to take to that. Uh, The last time we did it, had a handful of issues kind of crop up. I want to talk about a guy who's actually taken a role and get your thoughts on how good he is. But first, you know, I just want to get your thoughts on April. What did did you learn from April? What are a couple key takeaways, whether it's specific player related, whether it's uh, something more global? What were your takeaways from the first month of the 2016 season? You know, I think we're always going to overrate the – first start for a prospect that everyone's waiting for. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was there for Sean Manaya's uh, debut and, you know, there's obvious reasons to be excited about him and obvious reasons that everybody sort of went to go and get him. And, you know, we just saw Jose Barrios, you know, a couple of days before him. And as much as, you know, Michael Fulmer had a good first start and all three of these guys have good, you know, futures in front of them. I think I agree. Um, you have to, you have to remember that the numbers say that, you know, I should add a fourth name in just so the numbers are right. But you know, that half of these guys don't work out mm-hmm. that, that half and even top starting p- pitching prospects. And, and by, and I don't mean, you know, like end up in the bullpen and end up being okay. Like Trevor may, that's still actually kind of a loss when it comes to that research. The research says that that'd be a bust basically, cause they don't provide the val- much wins above replacement value. Okay. Um, so there are, there are some of these guys like Manaya, one of these guys will end up in the bullpen maybe, and will have some value and maybe even close a little bit, but he won't, you know, the, the likely, most likely thing is that half of the, the starting pitchers that we think are so good are not going to work out. So, and yeah, we, you know, you know, throw Blake Snell in there because we did see him already. And so, so there's four big guys, ones. Everyone thinks they're amazing. Everyone thinks they have great futures in front of them and they, they, I can't tell you that which one I think is not going to do it, 
because all of them seem to have three pitches, actually. They're not even like the two-pitch guys. Although Snell, Snell, you know, is kind of fastball, curveball. But sure. uh, um, and I, I mean, they all throw three pitches. They all, none of them have, you know, command issues that you think would totally kill their season. Although Manai is probably worse than command. And, um, you know, it's still, you still have to kind of try and figure it out. I think that Fulmer's change is probably the best third pitch out of everyone. I think that's fair. Um, so that, that says to me that he's the least likely to be a reliever because he has at least three pitches and the slider is, is plus, 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 you know, and the velocity is good and his, you know, he at least didn't show any terrible command like Manaya in the first game. So I think Barrios so is right there too, though. I, li- I like his change. I think he's also kind of not safe from yeah. it, but, uh, I feel good about not seeing him in the, in the bullpen in the future. But then, you know, after we had that whole conversation about command, after watching his start, I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's command, not control. Like, he's not walking a lot of guys, but every once in a while, that breaking ball just breaks right for the middle of the play. No doubt. And honestly, you know, maybe it's because I like him, and so it's biased, and I'm giving him a little bit of a break from that that start because I thought there were some factors for Barrios that kind of made it not obvious, but understandable that he wasn't that sharp, you know, between the weather being cold, it was, it was sub 50 degrees, the fact that uh, he got rain delayed to even start and just the nerves of the first game. So I, I saw that and I was like, yeah, uh, honestly, I liked it because it did kind of lower the price. <laughs> it lowered yeah. the price this weekend on, on Barrios and I really appreciated that. So yeah. And, and I, and I, and tout, I went and paid the, the, the high price to get car, uh, to get Michael Fulmer, uh, even though he's coming off of a big start, and I'm, you know, I like those other those other guys as much. Mm-hmm. But you know, one part of it was that he was available. Exactly, that helps. Uh, a lot of those other guys were gone before. Barrios was somebody and, who was drafted in a lot of leagues. Yeah, and people were waiting for a long time. So you know, that that was part of why I ended up uh, spending what I did to get him. I don't actually know what I've spent here because I can't read the stupid reports. Like, no. I know that I put down like 36 percent but i don't it's the kind of it's called vickery yes so i know that i spent money and i owned and that i won him and that i would have spent 36 percent but i don't know that if i that i did because i from looking around it looks like i only spent maybe like 10 percent to get him it is not my favorite website (laughs) can i just say that can i just say that that's all i'm gonna i'm not i'm not gonna try to be a jerk Tout and Labor are both on on Tout's on on Roto and Labor's on RT, RT Sports. Sports and it's there. I'm learning both of them. Let me just say that. How about that? That, that and 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 score sheet. Yes. those three are like interfaces that make me want to poke my eyes out. It, it seems like if you know them, you love them because the especially on Roto gets a lot of raves from those who are like experts at it because it mm. does have some interesting things. I'm not at that expert level, so I do not share that opinion. <laughs> Uh, RT Sports. Well, I know why they. I know why those guys are on them because of the specific rules that Tout and, and exactly Labor have about about how um, FAAB is run and about how benches are are you know work and all that stuff. So and, I can and see the, why uh, they do it. The customization has has has. Uh, yeah. I, I believe I've heard some of the on roto backers say that you know if you want something something implemented they'll they'll usually jump on it for you and try to make it happen because but, i've had you know cps is pretty good for that too they are except i asked them if we could figure out a way because i do a league where we run waivers every other week but uh, i can't do it any other way except to have it always running so if anyone bids in the off week it locks everything <laughs> and then i gotta go in and i gotta eliminate their bids and and then if they don't get to get back to the computer, they're like, well, I put them in last Tuesday. I was like, well, you shouldn't have been in the office. So honestly, because I emailed them, I said, can you do it? And they were actually kind of jerkish. The, the email response was like, in capital letters, no, we cannot do that. And I was like, oh, Jeez. okay, that, that was interesting that you you responded so harshly. So, you know, each site. They have a bad day. The, yeah. But right? I would say in general, they have, uh, CBS has a lot. Of, I agree. Maybe it's not, uh, maybe it's not like, actually changing but they have a lot of options like i usually CBS. go to bad for cbs a bit i, I really yeah. do and i think they've improved their app which it you know i just broke. don't like that you have to pay for certain things for them yeah um, and, and their price is a little bit high for what they offer i feel like they could bring the price down a little bit considering when you compare them to some of the free sites i don't know that they're necessarily making the full value 
off. And my favorite is probably still just Yahoo in the end. I've got several leagues on Yahoo this year. I've been getting to know that it's website a good, good bit better. Easy. And their app is sharp too. Yeah. If you got a sharp app, you're gonna you're gonna win a lot with me because sometimes you know, I got to check on mobile. You know, not not all the time. I like to get on the computer. Obviously, it's best to be on the computer to go through everything. But sometimes you're just out or you're not available, and you got to check on mobile. You got to get your moves in. And if you can do that relatively easily, I'm gonna be happy. And I, I do agree with Yahoo. By the way, none of those are sponsors. So uh, we're just talking. We're just talking. <laughs> we're just talking about some sites. Um, so yeah, you, you were talking about the prospects there, and, and we are in. The uh, so that, that's just that was just my April thing because you know we finally we got to see a lot of these guys earlier than we thought we would, mm-hmm. and we got to see some fun arms, and they were really fun. Snell's breaking ball is pretty legit looking, and um, uh, and he he has a really nice rising fastball, a lot of velocity on it. Um, I, I, I he seemed like he was the real deal. Barrios, I think uh, one thing I worry about with Snell is that. And I have to watch him again. It seemed a little bit like he was telegraphing the breaking ball because, and I was talking to Adam Conley about this. Conley was talking about, you know, if you worry too much about the way your breaking ball is going to look and you want it to look a certain way, then a lot of times you hold it really tightly, hold it like crooked and close to your head and really uh, sort of telegraph the breaking ball is coming. Mm -hmm. And uh, I kind of felt like I saw that a little bit in in uh snell's breaking ball that like i could see when breaking ball was coming so um i don't know if that's going to be a big deal it's with the velocity they have to be so geared up for the fastball that they may not they may not gain a lot from knowing you know what i'm saying they may have to they sort of start swinging and um we'll have to see what people when people see him more often manaya you know he has a big body and those things, those levers are always going in different directions. It seems so, you know, he can lose a little bit of command. So, uh, I think he's probably, you know, we we lose sight of this stuff, you know, because of the timing of rankings lists and, and when, where guys are at certain times in their career and what, in, in, in the where adjustment cycle, like Manaya, you know, seems like he should be part of this group. But to me, uh, there were questions about him as a prospect always. Sure. And, Weren't those uh, health-related, though, mostly? They were, but also command. Yeah, C- command, they're also, command and they're health, for sure. Because they were talking about how he has this crossfire delivery and, uh, and you know, how is that going to relate to his command. And, and so, and the crossfire delivery makes it hard for him to, to command to the glove side, uh, to his glove side. But so basically, the hair make up for a lot of that automatically? It does. The Samofro is okay. definitely worth a lot. But I, if I was to rank those four... Um, you know, given that we have some major league data now, we have some movement data and some velocity data. I, like it's it's hard pressed for me not to put Fulmer first. So I, I love that's, hearing that, by the way. You know, like I the changeup has really really nice movement, and I know he didn't throw a ton of them, but it's not movement where I have to say, oh, if he pairs it with the four seam, where it's good. No, it has like really nice movement. Maybe he's not going to be able to command it. Maybe some color situation where the changeup has really nice movement, but he can't command it. So it's it's a you know. It's a two-strike pitch for him, and that's it. But it's still, uh, even if it's just a two-strike pitch for him, it's really good. The slide is really good. Velocity is really good. So, you know, on all these things, he's at least, he's like best or second best. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, velocity-wise, he's probably second best. Uh, Snell gets a bunt because he's a lefty um, uh, in terms of relative velocity, I guess. And, uh, you know, plus pitch-wise, I think probably the best pitch out of any of them, uh, best non-fastball out of any of their balls is Snell's breaking ball, as long as he's not telegraphing it. Uh, but it's Fulmer Slider's right there. It's you know? so filthy, the Fulmer Slider is, and it really took a jump up last year that really kind of took him from one of those mid-tier prospects to somebody who's pretty darn good. I'm not sure he got the, the hype that necessarily he deserved because he was on the Tigers and they don't get a lot of prospect love because they're not usually producing tons of prospects. He obviously came over in the own assessment deal. I, I'm really excited about him and I'm trying to tamp it down. You know, being a Tigers fan, I don't want to get too over the top and, and think I'm being super biased, but I love hearing you say that, that you kind of agree that he definitely has a case to be the top guy among that I mean, group. And, and- and it's 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 without being necessarily like you could almost make the case he's the top guy in the group without being top in any one of the categories. Exactly, you know kind of the the like probably whole package. Doesn't have top fastball probably doesn't have top command, uh, although he might. I mean, because Snell Snell's command and Manaya's command are not great, 
And Barrios's walk rates were, were good, but, you know, we saw some evidence that the command wasn't great. So, you know, I would say maybe tied for one there. But, you know, you could probably just say he's second best in everything. Second best fastball, second best, uh, you know, plus pitch. Maybe the slider is really nice. Second best uh, command. Uh, so, you know, uh, I was really impressed. Came away really impressed with Michael Fulmer. And a uh, little depressed for the Mets, but um, they still have some good arms. So. And, they, and they still have Cespedes. I know that you know they had to re- they had to pay money in addition to Fulmer, but he's still there. So both teams are still reaping the benefits of that trade from last year. Um, yeah, I'm really I'm really intrigued by all four of them. But I was thinking kind of the same thing. I was talking about it on Twitter this past weekend, saying, yeah, you know. It's it's nice to kind of go for all four, but like you said, a couple of them are probably going to fail. We don't know who. You just kind of kind of go with it, especially after one start. We have no idea, and that's kind and, of the bummer of it because it's almost a foregone conclusion that there's just almost no way that all four of them will be great. It would be such a such an upset against the numbers. Yeah, and it would be like it would be one of those things where we talk about it, right? You know, like the oh, remember when Nomar and Jeter exactly. and Rod came up at the same time? Exactly. Uh, so, you know, I, 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 I doubt it's going to happen. But, um, you know, in terms of, like, who's going to stay up, which is for redraft leagues is very important. Um, we already gave this Manaya versus Barrios conversation a real, uh, a real good goose. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that I stick with it that Manaya is a little bit more likely to go down than Barrios because there's Henderson Alvarez coming. You know, even with Han coming up and even with Bassett's injury, uh, I have a feeling that they manipulate Manaya's service time, and if he's if he's gonna walk as many guys as he strikes out, he, he has a reason to go down. Well, that's the thing. If he's not sharp, he's probably Manaya's probably on a short leash because of that. Because they will have guys who can who can replace him, maybe not with the same upside, but you know, Oakland isn't necessarily entirely focused on that. If they can get a guy who's going to come up and just be solid for them. All they want to do is get to 81 wins and not use as much service time. Bingo. Bingo. <laughs> so that, they'll take the guy and who's then, going to go five innings, two, two earned with, with one walk every time instead of somebody like Manaya who's going to be up and down, maybe four walks here and there with some yeah. trouble. And so then we add uh, Fulmer and Snell to the mix. We know Snell is up and down because mm-hmm. he's already down. I think Fulmer might be, you know, right there with Barrios, might even be past Barrios because Detroit wants to win. Absolutely. They want to win right now. They don't care about service time. They don't care about anything. They've seen Shane Green. And I'm not saying that the Shane Green door is closed, but I'm saying that when Shane Green is healthy, it's him versus Pelfrey. Well, and then here... Like, I almost think it's enough to say it's not him versus Fulmer anymore. Like, I think Fulmer is like, you're here until you show us that you can't hack it. And then you're down. But fully agree. He's up. He is up. It's Verlander, Zimmerman, Sanchez, Fulmer, and then you've got Pelfrey, and then a healthy Norris and healthy Green fighting for that last spot. And honestly, Norris is probably the guy that they favor the most because they see his upside, and it would give him a lefty. They don't have any other lefties in there. Green Pelfrey is obviously licking his way out of that rotation. Yes, right? he is, and and it can't happen soon enough. I, I'm holding out <laughs> modest, a shred of hope. And this is the Tigers fan of me. I'm holding out a shred of hope that he can be useful in the bullpen at eight mil per. But I hated the deal when they signed it. I still hate it. It's bad. It's it's terrible deal. He needs to be out of the rotation. Do not leave him in there just because you paid him. Eat the money. Get him in the bullpen. Let Green and Norris figure out that fifth spot. But I agree with you. Yeah, Fulmer has a has a good back reach. to like ninety four with a splitter, and that and he only has two pitches, and he can just focus on those two. And yeah, then I think it could work. Yeah, and he wouldn't be the first guy who was like super bland to bad in the rotation who then turns it around because you cut off a pitch that you have to worry about. And you just kind of unleash it. I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised, but again, I also wouldn't be surprised if he was terrible in the bullpen because that's Mike Pelfrey. So uh, <laughs> I like that. I like that. The big takeaway, you know, we yeah. got, we got call up season a little bit earlier than I think a lot of us expected, which by the way, further reiterates. And I'm, I'm not saying like, don't ask us questions on Twitter, but when you ask us the, when are they going to get called up ones, you're almost doing yourself a disservice. Cause we just don't know. We just, I mean, I'll, I'll answer. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a guess, but I'm telling you right now, it's worthless. It's legitimately yeah, right. worthless. It's it's not even a good guess because I'm not even a, a, a full-time prospect guy. But not only that, not even Dan Farnsworth, I don't think, can give that good of an answer. Forgot to turn my phone off. Um, so, you know, just I understand you want to know because it's it's fantasy and we, we want to know when to get those guys. It's impossible because an injury changes everything. 
All right, let's move on to Jeff Zimmerman's HURT rankings. And again, this is an acronym that stands for Hitters Under Performance from Recent Trauma Rankings. And he puts together this list based on uh, on his DL, uh, his injury indicators to come up with a, with a singular number. And anybody over 100 could be in a little bit of trouble. And so once you start kind of getting over the 120, it's a danger zone, 150, oh my gosh. And heaven forbid somebody get over 200, that could be devastating. And and it suggests that they're playing through injury based on some of the traits uh, of the categories that he uses and, and compares to previous years or, or, or to their uh, career record, I should say. And there is a guy over 200. And we're going to talk about the top four guys, actually four of the top five. Another one of them is Carlos Gomez, and I feel like we kind of talked him to death. We really gave our thoughts, and, and we're, we're really backing off. So, oh, By the way, though, uh, Carlos Gomez, <laughs> like I've been saying that I think he's hurt, and I, I'm i not at all surprised to see his name up there. No, to see him come up fourth after we're, we're saying, nah, we're down on him, it's not good, there's no way he can be healthy playing like this, because he's just not this bad of a player when healthy. And then to yeah. see him fourth on this ranking, yep, that kind of made sense. To that same point, somebody uh, he does another one called pain ranking, and that's for pitchers. And I think Rizal Iglesias was like top 10, and then yeah. two weeks later he goes on the DL. And so, you know, that, that's, those are just one-offs, but Jeff knows what he's doing. These rankings are useful. So we're going to talk about these four guys, and you should probably have some concern about them, especially somebody like Russell Martin who has a 218 mark. He is – 40 points higher than anybody else right now. And unfortunately, his teammate is, is, is second. So the Jays are, are uh, looking at a couple guys who could be hurt here. Russell Martin has like a one WRC plus or something stupid like that. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. I'm pulling it up now for an updated. Yeah, it's legitimately a one. It's a one. <laughs> it's a oh, one. Wow, we have another one. A one is funnier than a negative to me. It really is. One. Uh, 44% strikeout rate, 143 batting average. And I honestly, a 273 Babbitt, you can't even blame it on Babbitt that much. I mean, it has just been brutal. He is absolutely, he's nine for 63 right now. And it's just been a tough, tough start for the 33 year old Russell Martin. He's a catcher. Catchers are always, you know, exposed to enhanced injury risk and it just looks really bad right now what are your initial thoughts uh or, or not even initial after a month where are you stand with russell martin yeah i think he's hurt i mean i, has, I agree right? with the, yeah he has to be and then and he i think he is i mean he's he's self-reporting like there's a there's a neck there's a neck problem in his in his uh oh okay news in his news feed um so i don't know I guess what's hard about that once you once you once you discover something like that is like well okay so he's hurt now could he you know get better and then be better yeah or or is he, does he need the else stint like what what is what is the extent of it yeah and um, I mean we know that he had this neck injury and that he couldn't play in back to back games for a while uh, and that the latest one says John John Gibbons says Russell Martin neck isn't ready to play in back to back games yet he's been battling neck stiffness for the past week. Well, that seems like a really small thing, except that it it didn't lead to a DL stint or like, hasn't yet. And we don't like, is it one of these things that's never going to fully go away? You know, is mm -hmm. it uh, just going to bug him all year? In that case, he's not going to get fully right. And you can't even wait to like the all-star game and stuff. So, uh, you know, to me, catchers are so fungible that if I'm in any league that's smaller than only, he's gone. Especially a 1C. One catcher league, he yeah. should have probably already been gone. But two catchers, I think you can even start moving on because it's so brutal. Yeah. In a two catcher league, I might do something where I just sell low, try to get someone in. Like, if you're going to sell low, the best situation is to try to get someone in lower in the table, lower in the standings than you, and convince them that they're giving you. Uh, they're they're buying low on Russell Martin, so get their you know steady Eddie boring uh, you know second catcher. Mm -hmm. Give them Russell Martin and see if you can't finagle a small upgrade on, on some other piece. I, I think that that's fair. That's a sell low that sometimes can work because they're buying. They feel like they're buying. And if you can, and, and really, what you should probably just try to do is combine two sell lows if you're going to go that far. Um, and give them give them a real shot at some upside and get some real usable players for your team in the meantime. That's something I might do in a deep league because deep league you're you're fritting your chances away. Like there's you know it's it's hard to hold on to upside. You know you just want you want good innings and plate appearances now. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and, I, and you can't like filter through them like you can in other places. So that's where I'm dropping him. But I think I would sell low on him. Yeah. Let's move over to teammate Edwin Encarnacion then, because uh, he's up there as well. Again, a 178 is a really high mark here when when Jeff is saying that uh, 100, they could be playing through injury. 150, danger zone, obviously. So 178, that's particularly rough with somebody like Encarnacion. And we do know that this is a guy who often has a, a nagging injury or two every single year. He always puts up great seasons, like full seasons worth of numbers, but he rarely does it in a full season. And when Encarnacion's games played since he's kind of broken out 134, 151, that was when he had the 42 homers and 110 average, or excuse me, 110, 110 average, 110 RBIs, uh, then 142, 128, 146. So there's always a little something going on, but he ha- he's so powerful and so good that he usually puts up a lot of quality work uh, in his abbreviated stint. However, you look this year at someone like Encarnacion, 24% strikeout rate, well above his 16% career mark, 7% walk rate, well below his 10% career mark, which is even a little bit misleading because since breaking out with the Jays, he's been more of a 12 to 13% guy. So it's almost in half right now. Those two metrics alone told you, probably told you that something was up with Encarnacion. Then to see him up here, and then I believe you said that he has a self-reported injury as well. What's up with Edwin Encarnacion after a month? Well, his, his is a little bit different. He had uh, finger issues in the spring and late last year. And so I think he has basically an ongoing finger issue, okay. which is the kind of thing that he's not going to offer up if it's just bugging him a little bit. Yeah. They use, I mean, players a lot of times will just keep something like, because it's considered small and it just, ah, ah, no, and, it, and it won't be a big deal until he has to sit because, you know, there's no reason to really talk about it now until he has to sit, then he has to say why he's sitting. Exactly. And then, then you're going to hear about the finger. So uh, I think he does have some nagging finger issues. He's had some, uh, I think he's, if I remember correctly, there's some hamstring issues in this past too, and, and oblique for sure, oblique this spring. Uh, so I don't know what it is, but he has, you know, in the last, you know, eight months has reported uh, injuries that are nagging in, in the oblique and the finger. And so I, I think it, that's that's probably what it is. Though the the effect is less drastic uh, on his on his stats, the injuries are less drastic than I think a neck injury would be. Um, neither is a, is a back thing. Obliques can linger, uh, and it could just still be the oblique. And then I just uh, the effect on his stats is not as bad because he's still usable. Uh, I mean, he still hits some homers, you know, and he's still on pace to to you know hit more than you know hit. 20 or so and mm-hmm. like even if he did this all year he'd be bad but he wouldn't like he'd probably still be usable in he, most leagues yeah he wouldn't you'd look he'll, at him and you'd be like that was a huge bummer but again when these guys do that and they kind of play all year and they're just okay that's not what kills your season it's like when they play 40 games in a season that that really right kills you. right and i and i don't think he's headed towards that and i think he'll have better days and i think he'll end up you know, with one of his worst batting averages for the year, maybe 250, 255, um, you know, 32 homers instead of, you know, right now the projections are saying 29. I think that's a little bit rough on him considering he's had 36, 34, and 39 the last couple of years. But maybe maybe he just gets to 30 or he gets hits 28 or something. But if you get 250, 28 from him, that's still going to have value. And then on top of that, his exit velocities are, are largely unaffected. The last... He hasn't had a week under average uh, this year in terms of average exit velocity. And last year he had uh, three weeks under average all year. So, wow. um, you Crucible. know, last year and and he gets going, you know, like it, he didn't have a week above 95 uh, until July. And then after July he had one, two, three, four, five, six weeks where he averaged 95 miles an hour or better. When, when Edwin Encarnacion catches fire. He carries yeah. your fantasy team. Like, it, and, and it's hard to do in fantasy baseball to have one guy carry your team. He does it. And 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 right now, uh, his averages have been uh, 93, uh, 90, uh, 86, which is really close to league average, but not league average. Uh, and then up to 94 last week, and then, and then this week is, is 93. So if you average 95, by the way, and you hit it in the ideal launch angle. So if you hit a 95-mile-an-hour fly ball, basically, it's a home run. So to average 95, even though we talk about 
exit velocity and median launch angle to be really uh, an effective use uh, thing for us to use in, in, in analysis. You can still use average exit velocity at the extremes because if a guy's averaging 95, and Ioannis Cespedes, you know, for the second half last year was averaging like 98 or 99. Mm -hmm. And if you can do that, you're, you're basically, you're turning, uh, you're turning outs into hits with, with light and line drives and stuff. And you're turning most of your fly balls into home runs. So, you know, it's, uh, it's you know, anything in that light ideal launch angle, it's over 95 miles an hour should be a home run. So if he's averaging nearly near 95, he's doing okay. So I don't see as much uh, to worry about with Encarnacion. I'd even buy low. I think, although I would flip it on its head and say this, if you are struggling in your keeper league and he's your first baseman, like think about him being one of your first cells. You know, it's um, it is going to get worse for him. Just these nagging injuries. He's thirty three. Uh, you don't know where he's going to sign next year. So I think a lot of these things mean that this could be a really good time to sell him in a dynasty league situation where you you need to rebuild. I think that's completely fair on Encarnacion. Again, this is a guy who can be a tough own sometimes if you're not patient because he does have these ebbs and flows, but he usually gets his numbers by the end of the year end of the year in a redraft. I think you just got to be a little bit patient. Let's move on to Lorenzo Kane. This is a bummer of, of one because Jason and I traded for him before season ever got going. Um, and he got off to an okay start. You know, first first couple of games were fine or whatever. That's why you got to be careful when you say good start, bad start, because like, oh, five games, he's off to a good start. And then six bad games in a row. Oh, my God, he's off to a terrible start. And so it, it's really tough to say. Now we're looking at a month, and it hasn't been good. Honestly, the one thing that's always worried me about Kane is injury because of the way he plays defense. And he's had some injuries in the past. He plays defense all out, and he's really great at it. And it, it, he can just be susceptible to injury. Don't know if he has one right now, but he does have a 168 mark, third highest on Jeff's list. A lot of things are different from what he did last year. Another one like Encarnacion, the strikeout rate is way up. Um, it, he'd been kind of in the 20s for a while and then cut it to 16% last year, did Kane. Now he's back up to 26%. At least the walk rate is up to, to soften that blow a little bit. Two homers, three stolen bases, so you're getting a little bit of something. Another one of these guys where, yeah, he's hurting you, but he's not utterly decimating your team but where do you stand with a 30 year old lorenzo kane it is interesting here the hard hit rate uh went from 32 percent to 21 percent. that's a big deal um it's not a stat i normally look at but the reason i want to bring that up is because his ground ball fly ball mix is the same um and you know so it's not an angle situation it's it, it may be legit and then if you then look at his exit velocity it's very boring. He's been at 90 basically all season. Uh, and average is about 85. So uh, it's above average, but it's not, you know, Edwin Encarnacion stuff. And he hasn't had a week where he's had really good exit velocity. So I think um, I'm a little bit worried about him. The weird thing is that normally I think of him as, as a lower body guy because I remember watching him run the bases in – uh, the World Series run-up when they were playing the Giants. Okay. And uh, I remember thinking that he looked injured, and I remember reporters asking if he looked injured. I remember him getting very angry at the reporters and basically getting angry at them instead of answering the question. And Which can sometimes so, be kind of a yes. Yeah, and they he played the whole – I think he played most of those games, but I don't think he was necessarily near 100%. And so that's something I look for with him is lower body injuries. I think that's was some of the story of, of uh, the injuries that he had, you know, coming up. But um, you know, he's stolen four, he's stolen three bases out of four shots, and his BABIP is is three hundred. So it doesn't seem like, you know, he's just limping along. So I, I don't know I don't know what it is. It's important to note that he has this injury history and that he's shown up on the top of this hurt list. I. I sold high on him before the season. I think selling low on him now is probably a bad idea, though. I agree. I think I think you kind of got got to kind of wait it out with Kane if you have him. Um, obviously, Jason and I aren't, aren't aren't interested in trading him right now. It, it's tough seeing him up on this list, but uh, again, it does kind of fit because he's had injuries in the past. He does play kind of an all-out sort of defense thing, which can leave you susceptible to to injuries. But uh, I'd stay the course here with Kane as well. 
Last one is Chris Davis, Chris with a K. Now, he got off to a really tough start. I mean, he was striking out 40%, I would say, through maybe the first 15, maybe 20 games. I mean, it was it was brutal. Uh, but now he's, he's gotten a little bit hot. I think he's hit three homers last week. I think all three of them were last week. Cut the cut the strikeout rate down to 28%. That's when you know it's bad, by the way, when, when 28% is like an improvement because he still has a 21% swinging strike rate and only a 3% walk rate. So there's some ugly numbers on Chris with – Okay, Davis's ledger here, but he's been a big time pop guy. He's another guy who can kind of get hot. He looks ugly, looks ugly, and then just boom, goes on a huge streak for a month. He's registering a 160. He's actually fifth on the list with, again, Gomez being fourth, but we already talked about him before. So what's up with Chris Davis in, in your estimation, and are, are you sticking with him or not? I think it's just a new league thing. I think he's pressing on a new team and you know, trying to show everybody that he can hit homers in Oakland because, you know, some poorly timed um, front office leaking stuff. They they showed a, an overlay of, of Chris Davis's home runs on top of Oakland and said, you know, that, you know, his home runs would have gone out in Oakland too, which is just a weird thing to see because, you know, I don't think it's the most effective way to talk about um, home runs in Oakland because, the reason that home runs aren't home runs in Oakland is because it's cold and wet. I was going to say the weather's different. Yeah, so you deal. can't just take overlay it, the balls he hit in, in a dome in Milwaukee and, and, and Arizona and stuff and just put them on top of Oakland. It's just not going to work that way. So I don't know um, if that was meant to sort of boost him and say, no, no, we believe in him or or tell the media why they thought he was going to be good or I don't know what it was, but – that uh, just along with you know being on a new team that needs offense that needs power, um, you know I kind of just see and then also probably uh, not having any familiarity with these pitchers, um, with a lot of these pitchers. So I think that's I think that's all it's been. He, you can see that his his reach rate is really high, his swing rate is really high, and his exit velocity is still good. He's when he's still making when he's making contact, he's he's making he's he, making good contact. He hits some bombs. Ninety-five miles an hour. Chris yeah. with a K hit some bombs. That's what I said. I think I think all three were last week. I'm, let me look that up in game log. But either way, he's hit the three pretty recently, and and they they were just they were just shots. Yeah, all since April 21st. So in the, in the last couple of weeks there, and he hit some moon shots and just stinging the ball a bit. So maybe he's kind of coming out of it. I kind of buy the. Um, the issue with with the league changeover, we, we've definitely seen that before. So I don't think that that's implausible at all. And I definitely agree with your point on be careful with those overlays. They can be useful at times, but when you got such drastic differences in the in the weather and the dome versus open, it, it, it's tough to use that. Yeah. All right. And, you know. the, and the other last thing about him is this is more scouty and and, and uh, anecdotal. But if you ever listen, if you ever there when he's taking batting practice just close your eyes and listen because he's got the sound he's got the the crack of the bat sound and you know as i know batting practice sometimes makes people roll their eyes but he just he shattered a window in center field the other day in batting practice and it was at home in oakland and he just launched a ball that just broke a window out in center field so uh i i think that uh everything's there except for the swing, not swing decision. And he's gone in and out on that in his career. For, you know, the first time he came up, he had a 5.8% walk rate and kind of swung a lot in, in Milwaukee. And that wasn't his best year. He had a little bit better of a year when he swung a little bit less and, and walked more. So maybe this year will be the story of him finding his feet and maybe next year will be better. But in any case, that player is still in there. So you're buying uh, especially in keeper leagues, I- I'll buy at this price. Um, That's Chris yeah, with the K Davis, any, by the way. I'll buy in any league. Yeah, I'll I think it. you can get him. At- I, I own, I, I own a fair amount of shares, so there's not a lot of buying from you. Same, same. I actually have a couple, um, and so there was actually one on the wire in a relatively deep league. It was a 14 team mix that took a shot, and I feel pretty good about that so far. Good, a good buying opportunity here because I'm not sure there is necessarily injury. Again, these are just looking based on on statistics. And when they're way far off from kind of their career and projected numbers, they could be playing through injury. But when you got somebody like Chris Davis, he's the first one on this list that we had that has kind of the changeover of league um, excuse, for lack of a better word. So I, I do think he's someone that you could buy in on, especially if you need power right now. Still averaging 95 miles an hour on, on 
an exit velocity. So he's still got that good home run speed. So perfect. All right. So that, that, take a look at that whole thing. I'll obviously uh, link the entire list and go through some guys. Might have some questions on. You know, pro- probably some. Honestly, the next three guys on the list are all Tampa Bay guys. They've got <laughs> they got a rough rough uh, offense going on right now. Kirk Casale, Logan Morrison, and then Corey Dickerson. That's probably the most alarming of those. But you got guys like Adam Jones, Delano DeShields. Another uh, Blue Jays, Troy Tulowitzki. So it's really interesting stuff. Honestly, if you're not reading the MASH report from Jeff Zimmerman, you're doing it wrong. But you especially want to take a look today on these hurt rankings, uh, get an idea if maybe some of your guys are playing through some injury. And, and again, it's not 100%, but it's, it's something to consider when they're so far off of their measures. And especially those guys at the top, like Martin, who has already had some injury, and Canarcion, who's always having injuries and had a little something in in spring, and Kane, who also has an injury history. And then, of course, Gomez. All right, uh, you know, it's time to talk some closer updates. Uh, Last time we did this, uh, it was was appreciated, and so there's been some changeover again. You know, we're not going to force it and talk about it when everything kind of is steady, but we've had a few more changeover uh, issues. First one is Houston Street going to the DL with an oblique, which brings Joe Smith to the fore. Now, Houston Street getting hurt probably doesn't knock anybody over there in terms of of, of surprise. And so uh, an oblique injury, we know that those can be those can be pretty bad. Joe Smith's going to get a chance here. What do you like about what do you think about Joe Smith? And is there a chance that is there any chance he could keep it? Could he come in and just dominate and keep it because Houston Street hasn't been that good even when he's pitched? Or is it a situation where it's je- definitely going to be a fill in and once Street's back, he's going to have the job? Oh, for me, it's definitely a fill in. And it's a little bit about the way Joe Smith uh, pitches, and then it's about what he pitches. And the the what he pitches is really obvious. He's got 88-mile-an-hour velocity, so he'd immediately be the second-worst velocity among closers in the big leagues. Uh, and that's just something that we've seen associated with big league closers in the past is, is velocity. So that would be weird. And then strikeout rate is a, sort of another results way of looking at it where he'd have the worst strikeout rate among closers. It's at 11% right now. Yeah, it's it's really bad. And but even his regular one yeah, would be yeah, yeah. low average because it, it doesn't look that bad, but that you're thinking like a starter. Like starters when you have like a 7 or 8 K9, you're like, "Oh, that's okay." Yeah. But for a reliever that's actually sort of bad. It, like, it's it is it is definitely bad. I think you We're worse. Want... We're going past like 9. We're we're, we're going past a, a strikeout per inning as average for for especially for a late game reliever. So, um, you know, so yeah, he would he would, he would be a really bad the reason why I think that if it was if it was like elbow and Street was out for the year, then I would be jumping on the guy after Street. But it's like, you know, sometimes these things take a while. So if we're if we're really gonna jump on the guy after, I mean after Smith. So like if we're gonna jump on the guy Salas? after Smith, huh? That'd be Fernando Salas if 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 that if that situation played out, the one you're talking about where maybe it lingered a little bit longer on the oblique. And Smith wasn't really getting it done. I think Fernando Salas would be the next guy there. And he actually um, he has a little bit better strikeout rate for his career. He's at one per inning for his career. But only this year, 7.7. So, again, not that impressive. But 13% swing strike rate suggests that his strikeouts should go up. So he's got the better closer skills profile compared to somebody like Joe Smith. But if you're thinking it's not going to be a long-term issue for Street, we probably just don't bother with Salas and go with Smith, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, like a real long-term look might also include Mike Morin. Okay. Um, just because he has really nice swing strike rate, that could mean more strikeouts in the in the future. And he's got the third best fastball, but that's a really bad fastball bullpen, by the way. Um, and so maybe they just don't value fastballs the same way that other teams have in the past, because. You know, by fastball velocity, Cam Bedrosian is is the closer of the future there. Sure, um, he's the only guy who has plus velocity, really. But they are not putting him. Is he even in the minor leagues right now? I, I, I'm no, he's he's up now. He's. I mean, the last note seems to suggest he's up now, but at the same time, he doesn't have a hold on the season. Nope. So he's just not being used. And the holds guys are Salas, Mike Morn, and Greg Molly. Uh, yeah, I knew it. Why did I know that a guy named Greg Molly was going to be a lefty? Um, Sometimes anyway. you can just tell, yeah. I, th- yeah. I think that's really funny. Greg Molly. The Joe Smith thing, the Joe Smith thing, the thing I also didn't mention, the, 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 the thing that makes him an okay fill-in is the, is the way he pitches, which is he's like a sidearm weirdo. Yes. So, you sidearm know, that's... Weirdo. 
<laughs> that's that's going to make him look better than his strikeouts. Uh, he's going to be more effective than his strikeouts and his velocity because the only the only other closer that's down at the bottom of uh, in both ways, uh, like Joe Smith, is Brad Ziegler, with terrible velocity and terrible strikeout rate. And but, we're always waiting for him to lose his job. But but we've been waiting forever, right? I know, so I know. And, that's why I think most likely situation Joe Smith fills in for a month. Houston Street comes back, gets to 45 innings, and we don't know how he keeps doing it, but whatever deal he's made with the devil continues. I think that's pretty fair. I think that's pretty fair for the L.A. situation. So get out there and get your Joe Smith bids if you are desperate for some saves. Now, to that point about, you know, we look for a much better strikeout rate. We really like the dominant guys before we want to believe you got Jamar Gomez, who, you know, even his shift to the bullpen, it's added strikeouts, but it's only because his strikeouts as a starter were so god-awful that he had to. Like, <laughs> just, he couldn't. He couldn't not, rather, uh, do- double negative there. But he was like 4-5 per 9 as a, as a starter. So, of course, he, he had to bump that up. But he's really only like 6, 6.5. This year so far, he's at 6.6. But he's really trimmed the walks as a reliever. Uh, you know, he's got a better a plus ground ball to fly ball ratio over one and a half. So that kind of helps. But nothing really jumps out. And yet the, the stats so far this year, the results, I should say, have been fantastic with eight saves, a 180 ERA and a one whip. But I'm a little bit suspect on Gmar Gomez. What, what do you think? Is he a closer that you can kind of bank on? By the way, this Philly team playing pretty well. They could have been an April takeaway just in terms of, of being impressed. They're 15 and 10 despite a bad offense and a bad bullpen. It's really weird. So it, it's not going to last. Sorry, Phillies fans. I just I see no way that it lasts. What do you think of Gmar Gomez, though? Is, is he somebody that's in a tenuous state? And if so, who's next? And if not, then then how interested are you in him? I mean, the slider has a little bit more dip this year. He's a little bit better than I thought he would be from you know having watched him a little bit. But I just you know if you, even if you look at his game log, they're starting to happen. They're starting to have some hits. I mean, in terms of like a clean no no hit appearance, he's had one, two, three, four on the season out of uh, however many appearances he's had. And um, only two of those have come since the first two games of the season. So he's basically been giving up hits. One hit, one, one, two, one, two, one, and then two in his last one. Well, two hits in an inning, if there's any other miscues, that should that, – and actually two hits, if any of them is more than a single, mm-hmm. that should be a run. Yep. So, you know, that's how it happens. You know, you know it starts to get strung together. There's a couple of hits here or there, and um, you know that that's that's how you get uh, that's how you lose your job. So, I mean, I know it looks like he's not going to lose his job, and it looks like everything's great. But look at the rest of season projections; they're over four. Look at his, his strikeout rate. You know, it's it's bad, and there's some that are worse than him now. But his it's projected to be bad too, right? So really. When you have only like 10 innings of or 15 innings of sample, you should really be looking at projections to compare people in the future, right? So if you looked at projected strikeout rates, you'd probably have, you know, bottom three strikeout rates the rest of the season. Uh, and in terms of velocity, we're talking bottom three as well. I mean, I, I don't have, I could put the list up, but uh, off the top of my head, there's Ziegler, uh, Smith, and um, Melanson. As, uh, as having a, a terrible velocity. And so. those are the ones, I mean, it, it fits. It lines up. Those are the ones we're always worried about. We're always worried about the guys who are kind of getting it done with the modest velocity, the the uninspiring strikeout rates. And so, I don't know. What, what, Hector Neris? Neris? Yeah, he's my guy. And I've, I've actually, I've got some I've got some shares. I mean, he's he's got velocity. He's got a lot of swinging strikes. The splitter is really nasty. He's got a devastating uh, 42% strikeout rate, and it's pretty much yeah. backed by a 21% swinging strike. So what kind of league format would you get him if you're a saves speculator right now? You're just out there trolling. You're desperate for saves. How 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 shallow can you take a Hector Norris share right now? I have him in an 11-team league. I, I honestly feel like he's... You know, I'm not saying he's going to be this all year, but he's on that Batances level where he's useful enough yeah. in, in a league without getting saves. And the fact is, he could get some saves pretty soon. 
Yeah, I absolutely believe believe in his uh, in his approach in the pitches he's got, and you know, like in terms of who's out there, uh, just to we got Sam Dyson, but Tolson's rolling along uh, and has better stuff, you know, in terms of velocity and, and, and pitches, he has better stuff than than Gomez, um, and I think that uh, he's also a good example to look at. Well, his strikeout rate's not good very right now, but his projected strikeout rate is all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, By the way, average in, in terms of Dyson, this is somebody that we were talking about earlier because it was looking shaky right out of the gate for, for Sean Tolleson. Since pulling a Tolleson, by the way, that's what it's called from now on. If you give up five runs and you don't get an out, it's a Tolleson. Uh, since the Tolleson, eight innings, one run. Only five yeah. strikeouts, but like you said, he's he's really settled. And uh, seven straight saves, no blown saves. But, you know, his current strikeout rate is still relevant to me, even if his projected strikeout rate is more relevant. Totally, totally. Uh, so, I mean, I, I would put Dyson behind Naris, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Cody Allen is struggling. McAllister not, uh, does not beat him in velocity, and I don't think would beat him in projected – does not beat him in projected strikeout rate. So, but they go to Brian uh, Shaw first? Yeah, and Brian Shaw is a, the kind of a Joe Smith. He's like a cutter every down type guy, you yep. know, 89 – Miles an hour cutter over and over again. Better strikeout so, rate though. At the uh, very, well, yes, this this yeah. year, not when not not career, not career. Right. So same kind of deal, career. But I don't. I don't. They've had plenty of chances to go to Shaw. You know, there's been a, plenty of smoke around Cody Allen. They haven't yet mm-hmm. uh, caught fire. So uh, I I would put Shaw below Dyson even. I think. Not to mention uh, Shaw getting his face caved in this year too. So he's actually right. been worse than Cody Allen from a results standpoint. So like you're saying. He wouldn't be the guy. I agree with you. Maybe like a McAllister uh, or, or you know, somebody else that's kind of off the radar entirely might be the next option behind Allen we, if they we, go away from him. We love Tony Zick behind uh, Steve Sishak, but Sishak got a little bit of that velocity back. He's uh, has well. a good strikeout rate. He's been rolling. Uh, Zach, you know, we, we, we might talk about Britain in a second, but um, uh, that's a, more of a temporary situation. Yeah, let's uh, let's actually jump into that because, or actually, yeah, let's let's go right to it. Just because it, it is temporary, Zach Britton ankle sprain. He says he's going to be pitching soon, but we know not to listen to players for the diagnosis <laughs> necessarily because it it'll lead you astray too often. You'll, but it does sound like they're not going to the DL, so I mean that's right. You know, so maybe that, in a weekly league you sit him for a week, but uh, sit him for I, a I, week and get O'Day if you can. Um, so, but I don't think it's going to be a long-term thing. O'Day is, is the kind of guy where at least he's useful uh, for ratios while you're waiting. So but, he might not even be available. Right. He, yeah, he is kind of gone. Uh, but, I, you know, because he's a temporary guy, I put him I put him on that level with Joe Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I would put them ahead of Hector Neris because there's nothing happening that says you have to have Hector Neris right now. But uh, at the same time, if I lose out, on Joe Smith because I want to hold on to Hector Neris because I want saves all year. I'm not going to cry too hard. So they're, they're on some level functionally, uh, uh, you know, level with each other. Still put uh, Dyson and Zick like a, a step below. Guys we like, but there's no reason to believe that they need to be in there right now. Mm-hmm. Now, I think the Astros situation is very interesting in that uh, Luke Gregerson is a low-velocity guy with low strikeouts, not projected to have a ton of strikeouts. Kind of a boring closer. I agree. Uh, and behind him, we have a fire-breathing closer of the future with high strikeout rates. Everything should be right with Ken Giles. But what is this fantasy said, land that you live in where Ken Giles pitches well and doesn't destroy my score sheet team and give you... Every open, other year, other than this year. A well, win he says, over me. He says he's hurting, not hurting. He says he's he's hurting for mechan. He can't find the right, right mechanics, and he's showing the ball or something. So I guess that sounds like he's tipping his pitches somehow, or or you know, that somehow his deception has gone down. And I didn't uh, know he added a new pitch this year, and I don't think we have it on the website. But he's throwing a lot of meatballs, and for some reason we don't list that on the website. I feel like we probably need. You want me to contact Appleman on that one, or go to camera? I mean, we need to add that, right? Okay. Yeah, I mean it's unbelievable. It's bothering me because because you logged a W with me against me in score sheet with stupid Clay Buckholtz, and it was Ken Giles's fault. Buckholtz did nothing well yet gets a W, I think, uh, for you, and it was Ken Giles's fault, and I'm angry about it. 
Okay, that just happened. We just got our we just got our results today, and I believe you took two or three from me, and I'm I'm displeased. I'm very displeased. But you still look at the skills on Ken Giles, and they're still so good. It could happen this year, even. I I it took me a really long time to drop my share with Ken Giles. I'm not acquiring. He's behind Dyson Zick for me because at least Dyson Zick are pitching well now. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know that anyone's going to take. I don't. I don't know that anyone's going to take Lou Gregerson's job except for Ken Giles. You know, so I mean, Tony Sip, you know, doesn't really have splits, uh, so he could do it. He, he, that would be that wouldn't be the craziest thing, but it is a little bit weird that he's a lefty. So, um, and uh, I'm not. I'm not going. I'm not calling for Tony Sip to take that job, but. Uh, so I, I I don't know. Have we discovered anybody new? There's um honestly there's, uh, I think Neris is going to be the name that folks you know because a lot yeah. of a lot of our players are, are a lot of our listeners are deep league players anyway. Okay, so two more names: Brad Boxberger and uh, Trevor May. Those are those would have to kind of go in our in our in our um, scrum there. Boxberger kind of a forgotten dude. You know. Yeah, and you know maybe they don't bring him back in and and put him in right away. Um, but you know, maybe they do. You know? I mean, they certainly could. Now, last year they didn't with McGee, but McGee's a lefty, so that also makes it tough to to do a, a perfect one to one. Um, Boxberger's going to face face hitters very soon, and I think they're saying, okay, not far off from a rehab assignment, poised to return mid May. So you could jump on it now and, and, and get it cheap if because he's probably on the wire in a lot of mixed leagues, right? Again, he's a forgotten guy, I think. And, you know, Colomay's pitching well, but Boxberger, when he's on, is still ridiculous. Yeah, so, again, yeah. we're talking about being saves hungry and, and, and really needing them. There's, there is still a path, even with Colomay pitching well. Maybe they just want Boxberger to be the guy. So Tampa Bay is a tough read at all times. But if you're specking, I think you need to look at both of them. Let's talk a little bit about May. What's been going on since Perkins has been out with the uh, with, with the with the Jepson May situation? What are you seeing there? Well, you know, his manager says he's you know dreaded vote of confidence for for Jepson, uh, but um, and he did uh, he did get in a game and had a clean inning, but it wasn't for a save. Uh, <clears throat> gave up uh, two solo home runs in his last four outings. Uh, and But the weirder thing is he's only struck out one guy in his last five outings. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, that's a little strange that the strikeouts have gone away. And you know, in general, you know, way back when there was this guy named Jeremy Greenhouse who used to write about stuff and, and trying to come up with stuff before he got hired by the, the Cubs. And, he, you know, he's been an inspiration to me. I've quoted his stuff a lot and, you know, tried to continue uh, his research. He was much better at it than I am. So, you know, but one of the things that he found was that Jepson had, you know, great stuff uh, back in, I think it was in 2013 before people really knew who he was. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I agree. Jepson has great stuff, but the strikeout rate right now is a little bit concerning. And if he leaves too many balls in play, Trevor May is, is killing it. So I would put May a little bit behind Neris also because uh, that's a fill-in situation for now. Yes, because we you know? don't know if Perkins, you know, there's a good chance at least that he gets a job when he comes back. I do, I do think it's suspect. I don't think it's a guarantee the way it is. for some, I think Street has a more firm handle like you were saying earlier. Um, but Perkins, I don't think he's a, a lockdown that they're automatically going to go back to him, especially if somebody like May took it over and kicked butt. Yeah, I guess so. But you know, they they're 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 kind of reward their veterans team. I think if Perkins came back, he would get a job back. And um, so I, I think it's still, well. I mean, I guess if they lost the season in the meantime, and which they are in the process of that's doing, that's true. That's true. Then maybe you're right. Maybe they'd say, okay, uh, Perkins, you're going to share it with May for the rest of the way because we want to make sure May can do it. And um, I think Perkins might be a free agent soon. I was going to say though, counterpoint: if they do kind of lose the season, they put they, they put Perkins in, rebuild him, and sell him. Exactly, bingo. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I still think that uh, you know the over under on Trevor May's saves right now is probably around five um, for the season, maybe ten. But uh, and Jepson's is only you know that plus one or two more. So. Um, that's why I wouldn't get too excited about that. Now it's a little bit more exciting, but. Um, you know, these are the names that we have to sort of rank somehow. We, we got one, I guess more, the, one more spot, though. 
Yeah, one more spot. The what poop is that? fest known as Cincinnati. Yeah, uh, that one's just JJ Hoover. You know, perfect. Listen, <laughs> that's not a good name to have if you're gonna suck as a. <laughs> uh, I know the jokes write themselves, but they they really write themselves when you have a 15.58 ERA. And by the way, if you didn't see this one coming, you're just not paying attention. The dude has just never. He's never. This this is one of this is a check mark in the in the in the closer guile whatever box. If you, if you don't believe, if you believe that anybody with good stats as a reliever can do it, this is one against you. And, and there is something to maybe locking it down in the ninth, which I tend to believe that there is. So he's never really shown that he can handle the ninth. I feel like every time he gets a little shot at it, it just craters. And this year so far, it's only eight and two thirds, but Oh my God, it's been spectacularly bad, impossibly bad. So that situation's wide open. You got guys like Tony Singrani, Caleb Cotham, um, where are you going in Cincinnati right now? You know, well, Singrani is like the holds leader, so I think that's why people think you know he's the he's the role guy. But I don't think so because he's the only lefty in the pen. Exactly, and that's so I think you talked me off of him it. with that exact knowledge uh, a while back. What I think I we think brought him up. Just, yeah, I think that I think that team can't use him because I think they need to have a lefty. And honestly, as much as his strikeouts and velocity are nice, uh, he's walking he's to me now. Walk, you know, yeah. Ex- excluding his like breakout season, his walk rate is over five per nine. So <laughs> um, that's a hundred plus innings of five per nine. So that's not that's not good. That that uh, sixty nine walks in one hundred six innings, uh, one hundred six and two thirds innings since that twenty thirteen breakout. Not nice. There you go. 69 geez um and so then the the, the two contenders there if i mean the, the two guys that are still in the major leagues <laughs> um are blake wood and caleb cotham because they you, uh, you say that because they pushed down jumbo diaz who, who some saw as, as a viable yeah. potential as well yeah and you know cotham has good stuff um came over in the chapman deal Good, yeah, decent swing strike. Actually, sort of average swing strikes for 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 a late game reliever, um, and below average strikeouts right now. But like I said, projected to be pretty much an average reliever going forward. I thought for a second it could be Blake Wood. Um, you know, Blake Wood has shown some bounce of stuff and has the most velocity in that pen. What about? And he's actually gotten. Uh, some holds. Let me look here. I think in the, he might have had the most recent hold. Uh, no, that was Tony Singrani. But didn't uh, didn't look. his last hold come like in the sixth? That's the thing too. Like uh, Singrani is not even pitching in the eighth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I've seen Wood pitching in the in the eighth. Um, so it's really up to Wood or or, or Cotham or Cotham whatever, um, and up to you to sort of figure it out. I I don't know myself i mean it's not you know both of them are kind of journeymen yeah Uh, both of them have the upside to strike out more guys but aren't really doing it right now you know i was gonna say what about um wood actually has a little bit more uh, velocity so if you wanted to go the velocity angle wood's got the velocity however i think kotham has been used a little bit more in the eighth what about see? I was going to bring up uh, Michael Lorenzen, but he's not even pitching yet. He's on the sixty-day DL. What about bringing somebody up from the minors though, like uh, Kevia Sampson, who they used as a starter last year? The, yeah, I mean they had a, like with Lorenzen, those guys were all college closers. Yeah, they've stuff, got a gaggle stuff. of guys who who've kind of done it before. And they just brought in Ross Ohlendorf, um, which actually is meaningful because isn't Ohlendorf a lefty? Um, I always think no. he's a lefty. Yeah, why do not, I think he's I, a lefty? I did the, the exact same thing with him. I maybe it's because he's like a crafty guy who does not uh, does not strike out too many guys, and I think he has maybe three or four pitches. Maybe maybe he doesn't even have that. But um, I always confuse him for a lefty. There's a handful of guys I do that with, and I can't think of the other ones. But I'm always like definitely a lefty, and then I look. Oh wait, no, he's a righty. I'm well, fine. you know, he's so Wood is like 95. Uh, and um, Ollendorf is like 94, and uh, Kotham is like 93 plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, swinging strike rates as a proxy for strikeout rates, you would take um, uh, you would take actually Ollendorf. Ollendorf has really kind of jumped up his his swing and miss capability in the bullpen. He was not a good. <laughs> I mean, 
strikeout guy at all as so, of so uh, so two out of our three markers go to him. He just hasn't been used in uh, in a situation yet where he could get a hold. One other one, completely off the radar because he's currently starting. But what what if it just doesn't quite work out for uh, for Dan Straley as a starter, and they say, yeah, why don't you close for us? Is there, yeah. any, is there any potential there? I mean, he he has actually been all right as a starter, if I recall. He has three starts. Uh, the last two have been. Uh, the last one was good at Pittsburgh. The one against the uh, the Cubs that I was thinking of was not as good as I thought. But uh, any any chance there, or they they want to keep him as a starter? I think uh, I think that he has a starter's arsenal, and that he won't get as much of a, a velocity boost as some other guys from the pen. So, uh, but let's let's see here. Here's a win. Uh, yesterday, uh, Adelman for six. Blake Wood seven eight because it went eleven innings. Okay. Oh, that's that makes it really hard that, to use. That messes everything <laughs> up. But it was still a win, so they went Wood, Olenorth, Cotham, Cotham, whatever. Does not help us. All three guys pitched. Yep. Uh, Wood pitched first and pitched two innings. I don't know if that's meaningful because it was a set. Well, yeah, seventh and eighth. You know, so they they might have been thinking we'll get ahead and somebody else will pitch the ninth. Uh, but Ollendorf's coming in in the ninth is not meaningful because by that point you're um, you're on the road and they could have been saving their closer. So reading between the tea leaves, I'm saying Cotham is the clo- Cotham is the closer right now. Okay. Ollendorf is Cotham is the closer. Wood is the setup guy. Ollendorf is the sleeper. The sleeper. All right. Well, hopefully that helps. Obviously, that's a situation that uh, we're probably least interested in. Do I do I have that right? <laughs> we, we, we spent uh, yeah. a decent bit of time Actually, on I'll it, but we're Harris ahead of those guys just because I think he's a really good pitcher. Exactly. Uh, Ollendorf of those three, I like him maybe as the pitcher the best, um, and uh, so that's interesting. I, I'd put those guys next, and they have to be ahead of guys that we like more, like Zick and and Dyson, just because. Zick and Dyson's closers are doing better and are better. So exactly, and if you are going for saves, then you, you gotta you gotta dip into that pool at some point in Cincinnati, even though it is ugly and it's a pee filled pool. So be careful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that's gonna wrap us up. By the way, there was no podcast yesterday because Jason and I, I couldn't get Skype and and call graphs our recording software to to mingle. I got it figured out today. We're either gonna try to re up on Thursday, Jason and myself. Or maybe get a guest episode in so that you still get your three this week. But, you know, you and I will be back on Wednesday. Until then, take care. Thanks for listening. <laughs>